Welcome to You Sound Like a Girl. I'm Colleen, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I am Emily Rose, and my pronouns are also she, her, hers. And you are listening to You Sound Like a Girl, a storytelling project that explores and elevates cis and trans women's stories about our voices. We aim to explore the social norms around cis and trans women's voices by investigating what it means to sound like a woman and what it means for women to use our voices. On today's episode, we are welcoming Evie Dumont. Uh, Evie's pronouns are she, they. They have recently moved to Providence, Rhode Island after six years in New York City and have become the art lead in Sunrise Providence, creating action art for climate justice. Recent projects include Big Bad World, a solo poetry performance as a part of the Irondales on Women Festival, The Lesbians of 1718, an animated queer children's story, and an upcoming reading of Kyle Anthony Smith's play, Fascists and the People Who Kill Them. Evie was also originally a part of the 2018 workshop production of You Sound Like a Girl, and will now be sharing uh, one of their original pieces of writing with us. I have been battling my femininity for so long that up until recently, I couldn't remember the last time I was proud to be feminine. I do remember learning to hate my femininity. At some point during puberty, I learned it was not great to be a woman, that the wrestling contests I had with my cousins wouldn't include me anymore, that I was expected to wear dresses and makeup on certain occasions, that whenever I was angry or moody, I must be on my period. My voice has gotten lower and my clothes have gotten grungier throughout the years. One time a friend and I were walking through the streets and a strange man grabbed my arm. He only listened and let go when both me and my friend gutturally barked at him in the lowest pitch we could manage. In relationships with men, I knew what inflections to give and when, what body language to use and what to expect. But in 2015, everything changed for me. While with the first woman I'd ever dated, I thought, this is great. I can fall into the same stereotypical gender roles in relationships, but this time I get the option. I can be lower-pitched, stable, confident, outspoken, the male one. I get to meet my gay me, and I love her. In the meantime, I was living my best queer life, playing trombone in a gay marching band. For the first time, I saw femininity as a good thing. Gay men with high-pitched voices that were charming, hilarious, eccentric, and strong. That's what femininity could look like? That's what I could be? I never knew. It wasn't until my first serious relationship with a woman that I discovered this was all a part of who I am. That my queer self was feminine and masculine and did not fit into a box. She is loud, obsessive, chivalrous, charming, flamboyant, and tough. She is deep, low, strong, raspy, screechy, and light. She is not defined by who I'm dating or how I sound. She is a woman. She is me. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you wrote this a long time ago. When you look back at it, like what's different? What resonates? Wow. I feel like a lot has changed since I've written this piece and also nothing has changed. A lot of the words I use to describe myself are honestly the same. What did I say? Like rough and dirty and chivalrous and flamboyant and tough. Those things. I so totally agree with. But it's my look on like what a woman is and is not, my my definition of that, my use of femininity and masculinity. A lot of those things, I think, have changed since I've written this piece. 
and I'm still writing I'm still writing new pieces I just wrote a piece where I like listed what my gender is in all these descriptive terms which is oddly very similar to this piece actually this piece is all about femininity and she is a woman she is me and then when Colleen introduced you um, she was saying that you use she and they pronouns so can you tell us a little bit about the process that you went through when deciding to to change your pronouns or or add new pronouns? So I changed my pronouns this last year in 2020. And um, I feel like Instagram played a role for sure. You know, putting it out there was a big deal. I'd been having conversations about my gender with a lot of like really close gender friends and gender warrior pals. And uh, I was talking about it, talking about it. I was like, maybe I'll try. They, maybe not. It's like hard to find out how to do that and where to do that. And I had a conversation with my barber who is non-binary and they were like, well, you know what? Like you're dealing with a lot of imposter syndrome and like, that's totally fine. But like, you could do whatever you want. And I think by the end of that haircut, they had used they for me in front of me, like to the receptionist. And that was the first time I'd ever heard anyone use that. And I just left glowing that was the effect it had on me that I just like lit up and I was full of energy and full of excitement was just a pretty clear sign to me that it worked for me. And then I also got into like the creativity of gender. I really resonate with the word dyke. Dyke seems to be my queerness and my gender all wrapped up in one and my personality. It has nothing to do with who I date. It's just, I feel like dyke is who I am in a lot of ways. And my partner came up with the, well, why not she, they dyke? instead of like she, her, hers, or they, them, theirs, or it can be anything. Like there's creativity in gender. One of my favorite artists I follow on Instagram, their name is Matisse Dupont. And they said, do your gender. And I'm just obsessed with that. And I was like, yes, she, they, dyke, which is also, I should mention, inspired by Taylor Mack, just an incredible playwright who wrote Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus. <laughs> Taylor Mack says that Judy's pronouns are Judy, like just the word Judy, which it's just amazing, hilarious, and activism all all in one, which is kind of how I feel about my pronouns. Yes, I love uh, Judy as pronoun. I think it is fantastic. <laughs> and I would love to know, like, you know, you were talking about you've been writing a lot more pieces lately, and some stuff resonates and some stuff doesn't. And so has the definition of woman or femme, like, expanded or contracted at all for you? Like, how are you feeling in relation to these words now? The gender journey is long and hard and it changes a great deal, you know, uh, which is why whenever I go into rooms, I do names and pronouns, even if it's the same people I've, you know, had that space with for a long time, because it, it can all change and it probably should for some people. Um, there should be some fluidity and flexibility there. So thinking about that, my definition of women and woman has changed from that piece that I read at the beginning, because I thought I thought that that was one thing that I, I was born as and I had to be. I thought if I was not a woman that I would have known <laughs> by now, which is not always true. And I also um, realized that there's choice in it as well. There's choice in, uh, I was like, I'm going to decide to be a woman because that's me proving that a woman can be anything that I don't have to fit into this box because I've never fit into the box of what people I've tried to push me into like feminine this and feminine that and like you should do this you should do that and I just I've never really identified with any of that and then I was like oh no I'll try I'll try woman out and I that was like a fun time play time for me 
And then I was like, no, I'm going to claim woman as who I am in this weird, different body that I'm in. And at the moment where I'm at now, it feels like, you know what? What if I don't claim woman all the time? I've been really playing with the term gender flux. Huge shout out to my pal River. Also, I'm going to do a lot of shout outs just because like we all know I'm no expert on gender. I like get all these resources from all these amazing people. So my friend River is an amazing gender warrior. And they sent me a lot of the resources I'm mentioning today. They sent me this one definition called gender flux. It's from the Queen's English by Chloe O. Davis. And how it is defined in this book is an identifier for people who experience a range of intensity within a particular gender identity. Example, I am gender flux. I identify mostly as female, but the intensity of my femininity changes over time. I felt ultra feminine. I have felt non-binary and femme. And I've also felt super butch, but still female. So who knows? I'm testing that one out right now. I've heard people say like woman-ish, cis-ish. Like I kind of vibe with that. But who knows? It's all going to (laughs) change. And part of that is accepting that it's scary. Change is scary. Um, But there's also a lot of fun and play and creativity in it. I love that. Yeah. You made me remember when I was little, my parents were very into Lyle Lovett. I don't know if you know him. He is a country music singer, so he sings a lot about relationships. And I remember I would just like sing along at the top of my lungs. And my relatives would always kind of laugh at me, like my aunts and uncles. They'd be like, oh, yeah, that woman, she really ruined your life, huh? Like, you know, when there's a four-year-old girl singing songs about heartbreak. But it really made me check myself and be like, oh, like I can sing this in the car with my family, but like I'm not supposed to sing this because it's not for a girl to sing. It's for a guy to sing. And I was kind of frustrated by that growing up that like, okay, I can only sing these songs because these are girl songs. And then I remember when I learned that John Prine wrote Angel from Montgomery which I'd only ever heard recorded by Bonnie Raitt. I was like 19. I was like, wait, I'm sorry. A man wrote this song that opens with I am an old woman. And it like blew my mind. And I was like, wait, maybe it's okay to sing songs that were written by a man for a woman. Like, who cares? If I like a song, I could just sing it. You reminded me of that. And I guess talking about like the struggle and the journey and the fear that might crop up around like, is this what I'm supposed to be? Are these the rules I'm supposed to follow? Like, what advice would you give to others who might also be struggling in that place of, but this is what I'm supposed to do? Like, is it okay to disrupt this and just like try something new? Oh, yes, it is. (laughs) It is okay. Oh, my heart. I so resonate with all of that, you know, because it's hard to rewire your brain in a way that everyone's been telling your whole life you're supposed to be a particular thing or a particular way. And it's really hard to fight against that. But what I like to tell myself is that it's all made up. It's all made up. You know, it can be that fluffy. It doesn't have to be this giant, serious decision you have to make that you have to become and all this, all this like, oh, there's so much pressure. So just reassure yourself, like everything you've ever been told is not real. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, don't make yourself go into a panic, but (laughs) that's what has helped me (laughs) so far is that, yeah, it's all made up and that you can make it up yourself. It doesn't have to follow 
a specific set of rules or words that already exist. It doesn't even have to be a word that already exists. Something that really, really helped me was an article by A.E. Osworth. In that article, they did a lot of, it was creative writing and it was what this like poem slash painting I did was based off of. And I kind of, I had to like make this painting to feel creative with my gender. I like recommend that. If you like working with your hands, like that really helped me conceive my gender as something that is not real that like I could physically change and make up myself to what makes me feel the most comfortable I don't have to conform to what other people are comfortable with and also labels are only there if you want them that is it you do not have to accept any label you don't have to choose anything if you are like listen I'm just me and that's that end of story amazing There's so much pressure nowadays because there are so many words that are coming to, I think, the public consciousness and it can be overwhelming at times, but you really, truly, truly do not need any word you don't want. Also, I mean, the World Wide Web is such an incredible thing. Uh, Find yourself a queer gender nonconforming space. I highly recommend this, even when there are moments when I don't think I need it. You go in and you're like, wait, I agree with you. Wait, I agree with you. What? Wait, I'm not alone. Like, it starts to build. It's so, so, so helpful to hear other people say the same exact things as you and struggling with the same exact thing. Even if you're like, I don't think I am that word or queer or GNC or whatever it is. Like, just go and see if it makes you feel good. Also, a queer, a queer trans therapist or someone that directly aligns with something you're dealing with. Highly recommend. I've been through therapy with people who didn't directly align with what I was dealing with, and that kind of backfired a little bit. So I that is something I would strongly put out there if you can afford it, if it's available to you. This is making me think of at the start of the pandemic, I downloaded TikTok, which I'm far, far, far too old to be on, but it brings me a ton of joy and I spend a lot of time on it. But one of the creators I follow is I think actually a, a gender studies professor. I believe they live in Boston and they've started doing this series of videos about how like the born this way philosophy or movement is not actually particularly accurate and obviously was like a very important and helpful tool when it came to gay rights and gay marriage and all of that. But if you're actually looking at like a human being and their journey of gender or sexuality, You don't just like pop out of the womb and know exactly who you are as a fully formed human being. And that's going to like change and fluctuate throughout our lifetimes. And that that should be okay. (laughs) It's making me think a lot of that. That's Matisse. Yeah, so great. Um, I'm going to say something very controversial. Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl really helped me in my queerness. And I know that it did a lot of terrible things to other queers. I know that. But it helped me. I was like, I did kiss a girl and I did like it, Katy Perry. Wow. Thank you. So it could be all things. (laughs) It could be all things. Yes. (laughs) This also reminds me a little bit of um, two years ago now, I started this intuitive eating journey where I was like, okay, I'm giving up dieting and diet culture and all of these really unhealthy things. And that also included like giving up fat phobia and fatnesia and like allowing myself to be fat. And there is a lot of conversation in the spaces that have really helped me around thin people can't be in these spaces because then fat people get de-centered. And I 100% understand where that's coming from. And I was a thin person when I started this journey, even if I didn't see myself that way. And now I am 
a fatter person. And by having that support network and seeing people and being like, I could live my life this way. And like, I need to move beyond these boundaries. I don't think I would have been able to do that without those groups. And like, of course, other people's lived experience is not just there for someone else to learn and grow from. But I also think that in situations like we're talking about gender fluidity, there's also this body fluidity where it's like maybe you're fat for X number of times in your life and maybe you're thin for X number of times. And when there are these barriers of you're this or you're that and you can't come in or you can come in, like the gatekeeping, I understand why it's there. And I think we have to find ways, like you were saying, like if you're going to be someone who's like, I'm not sure about my gender identity, like I'm not sure what pronouns I want to use, that's the space you need to be in. And if you can't access a space that's for non-binary folks or for genderqueer folks, you might never come to that realization. So that's what this is reminding me of, that like we live in this society where it's really important to protect the most marginalized. And it's hard to do that when folks who aren't marginalized or aren't as marginalized show up. But also we all contain multitudes and we need to be able to learn from other people to go on our own journeys. Oh, yes. I so agree with you. Like you were talking about like being being tied into a box. And I was going to comment on being an actor and how much that's messed me up in terms of like my gender and my body and how I look like everything in my career is about how I look and how I'm perceived. I was in a queer space recently where they had us all yell, I shall not be perceived. And it was the most helpful thing (laughs) I've ever done. Maybe I strongly recommend it. But yeah, how the when you walk into a room as an actor, you're supposed to know your type. You're supposed to know like what you're you're going to get pegged as when you sell yourself, all the stuff lately. (laughs) It's actually been really lovely because in all of my commercial auditions, I am doing mom. I'm young mom now. Here I am, young mom. And in all of my theater stuff, I almost always play old men. So it's kind of like my gender as a whole, as a range. <laughs> Before I, I started questioning my gender at all, I was I was told, like I was cast as these old men often, starting with Malvolio in college. And I was like, mm? <laughs> excuse me? I, actually, it, it goes way before that I was in like a drama camp when I was in high school and I played I was like auditioning for we're doing the Lion King or whatever and I was like auditioning for all these like lionesses or whatever it was and I got cast as Timon and I was like it's uh, mm-hmm, sorry what I had no idea why and so much of my career has been that way or it's just like I don't understand like what other people are seeing where they like want to cast me as like Old Shepherd or Valvolio or Polonius. Like, these are the roles. This is what my resume looks like, y'all. Like, this is it. But now it feels really freeing. I, <laughs> I mean, I've always enjoyed doing that more than trying to do the ingenue thing. Like, that's never been my game. I told a couple of friends recently, they were like asking about my career, and I was like, always Ophelia's father, never Ophelia. That's kind of a great summarization of my acting career. But yeah, it's felt it's felt really cool. I like recently had the experience of getting to play a character that is normally an older male. And um it actually there was like this feeling of discovery while playing it and it wasn't nerve-wracking. It was like exciting and it, it, I don't know, it just tapped into something in me. And I was also going in to read for the ingenue and then in the moment was asked to read for this typically male character and like there was something there that really like 
struck me. And that's been, it's actually been helping me with my gender journey, which at some points it does help me. At some points I'm like, ugh, like another young mom, really? But <laughs> it's really nice that there's some creative exploration there. Well, and I feel like, right, I am most definitely not a performer, but like most people who are like theater people or theater adjacent, I did theater as a high schooler and performed then. And I am a relatively tall person. So I was generally cast as a male role because there just were never enough boys. And also I went to an all girls school, but it, it just gives you permission to like have fun and play because you're like, well, this isn't typically how I present or how I move through the world. So like, this is super fun. And I get to try things that I would never be able to do as my actual like bodied self, especially at, in high school or middle school. Right. Oh, what a nice thing. I think that's why so many people love theater so much is it's just so it's so playful, you know, especially then when you're like just confused about everything all the time, <laughs> trying to find any path anywhere. I've been recently I've been doing a lot of clown during the pandemic. I do a clown with uh, Chris Bays. It's been I think almost an entire year that we've been doing clown together virtually. For those who don't know how Chris Bays works, he names the clowns. Like he's the one who gives you your name. And my clown name was Boomer in all caps. And there's like a question of what he sees something in this clown state that you kind of get to know. And your name is based on that. And and then it's kind of self-discovery from there. Like what is this thing that I, I make? might not be familiar with that exists within me and and me for boomer I like after doing this for so long the other week was like oh like it's this this fear of being like really like out and loud that's where boomer comes from and it's those things that I would not have even realized even if I was in therapy for like 10 years like I didn't get to boomer boomer helped me right away well it took a year but you know (laughs) (laughs) so you've talked about clown you've talked about various theater roles you've talked about doing a painting I think you also mentioned poetry that like poetry has helped you get where you are at least now on your gender journey do you want to tell us a little more about it yeah I've been doing a lot more poetry in the pandemic because I found this cool online space that's like half an hour every week and I've always written poetry and tried to perform it but I've not always you know gotten the courage to do it and now I've been doing it a lot more and I did a poetry performance for Iron Daryl's On Women Festival and I was like, oh, my gender might not be woman all the time. Like, should I still perform at this On Women Festival? So I opened up with a poem about my gender, which was the same exact thing that I had like written out and like pasted onto this big painting. I can read it for you if you like. Please. Okay, so here's my poem. My gender is dyke. That means a woman. That means more than woman. That means the smell of pine trees. That means hiking boots. That means fluid. That means mud on my calves. That means skirts. That means pants. That means boxers. That means binders. That means impermanence. That means the smell of grass. That means questioning. That means hair. That means blood. That means hating my tits. That means loving my tits. That means, I don't know. That means you don't need to know. That means dirty. That means strong. That means me. And that's my poem. I love that. Yeah, me too. That was great. (laughs) 
I recommend everyone write a poem if you're, you know, thinking about playing with your gender just in that exact format because it's just so helpful to get your brain out of what you've been told your whole life. And I also, this article by A.E. Osworth, the quote that inspired both like my painting and that poem is, inscrutable genders from outer space to the front, those that can be best described as smell of campfire and, and great pink shape. That's awesome. To me, it just like spoke to me profoundly, but there's so much in that article that might speak to anyone. So check it out. I also, this may be also too big of a thing to tackle, but what I'm hearing, Evie, you talk about performing at the Irondale on Women Festival and maybe questioning whether you should be there. I feel like it's something you sound like a girl has talked about literally from day one is like, who are we speaking to? Who are our participants? And we've made mistakes along the way. Some folks were like, I didn't, I don't feel comfortable in this space. And I just, I guess I have come to the conclusion that like, there is no perfect answer, because I think also, it like loops back to our continued evolution and understanding of of gender and gender presentation and how we move through the world and how we are perceived and stuff like that. But yeah, it's complicated, but like important to acknowledge, I feel like. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that recently, too, because I was thinking of you know, your last question, like a woman's voice that you want to uplift. And I was coming up with all these voices that I had recently like become really obsessed with. And none of them were women at the end of the day, like they were non-binary or genderqueer or fluid. And I was like, well, where's the line? Like if one of them feels like a woman some of the time and is fluid, is that an acceptable answer to this question? And I think it's so personal too. Like everyone's answer is going to be different. But for me, right now (laughs) I feel like I am a woman plus it's like woman and then plus sign and that changes like and there were days that I definitely feel way less like a woman but at the moment I thought about changing she and I like still really feel good as she and proud as she but yeah there's room for change and I think asking questions and like like I said just so personal depending on the person yeah I think also the representations I was thinking this about relationships recently I'm like I never see either of the long-term relationships I have been in nothing like them is represented on the television and I'm a straight white woman so like I know that the kind of propaganda that we see in pop culture is just that and yet it's kind of other than our own families that can be the model it's like here's what relationships look like and if yours doesn't then am I doing this right or like what's wrong with me and I think that's also true for the prototype for any gendered person it's like oh this is how women are and when you were talking about like oh I'm cast as old men I remember when I was younger Um, We did Hamlet in one of my classes and I really wanted to be Hamlet because I like my parents taught Shakespeare and like I had read Hamlet before and I was like so excited. And my mom was like, yes, I hope she casts girls as Hamlet, like girls can be Hamlet. And I do remember having this crisis of being like, wait, if girls can be Hamlet, then why why was it a boy in the first? But like who decides what is a boy thing and what is a girl thing? And I had just had this crisis of like, can any character be any gender? (laughs) And I wasn't really thinking about it in those terms. It was like a really scary thing to be like, 
oh my God, I read all these books and like, I have this universe of like, this is what boys do and this is what girls do. And like, maybe it's not true, any of it. And like, what does that mean about me? Do I still have a gender? Like, if I'm playing boy characters, am I a boy? Like, I don't know, but it made me be like, what was the point of all this in the first place if we're just going to throw it out? I don't know, but it kind of makes me think because you mentioned imposter syndrome and those are the moments in my younger life where I've been like, ah, does this mean I'm a boy? Like if I want to play boy roles or does it just mean like I want to say all the words and like you could have given a girl all the words. I'd love to hear like more about your imposter syndrome (laughs) journey. Yeah, it's so relatable. I've always felt really lucky to be queer because there are less rules. This is like kind of the other side of the coin is that I don't have as much to look at and be like, that's how I'm supposed to do this thing. And that has felt so freeing because then I can decide what I actually want in a relationship or like on a date or just with any person ever. And that, that's that been really freeing for me is like this lack of rules, the lack of like, this is how you date, how you have sex. Like there's so much like hetero sex out there, which is also like terrible, <laughs> like terrible how to do examples. Like they're wrong. <laughs> most of them are about like a man's pleasure right but it's so it's so nice to not have that I mean I date all genders like what's great is uh, I'm pansexual and I was really lucky where I grew up with a bunch of queer friends who knew they were queer from like sixth grade maybe even earlier and they like I described to one of them once when there was this big bi popularity phase that was going through the school and I also hate that because like there was like a shame to like oh a bi phase but it's like great great everybody explore their bi bi-ness you know whatever but that was going through the school and I was like oh I don't know if I'm bi like I don't know this is how I feel and one of my friends was like oh that sounds like pansexual pansexuality like your pan probably and I looked it up because the internet started to exist and I was like oh yeah like that sounds good uh, I've been lucky where I've continued to identify as that since sixth grade and pansexual for those who don't know is I'm not really attracted to any specific gender gender is just not really a thing for me as much as it could be not to say gender doesn't matter because it does to some people and it doesn't to others so that goes right into imposter syndrome because like being pan or bi I've heard a lot of people talk about this as well and I've experienced it is when you're dating a bunch of different genders you're not always visibly queer and there's so much gatekeeping happening I was like you're not actually queer or you have hetero privilege but then like if someone says that and they don't know your gender then they're judging your gender (laughs) they're not really giving you space to define yourself and Luckily, with things like TikTok, there's like a lot of people being like, oh, thank you for saying something like both me and my partner are bi and we look straight and it's horrible, like all this stuff. And it's, you know, we all know at the end of the day, like we shouldn't care what others think, but it does (laughs) get into your head. It's always going to do that. Imposter syndrome is very real. And the fact that we can name it is a really incredible tool. That always helps me if I can recognize it right away. I can be like, ah, ah, yes, I see now. This is the thing. (laughs) Imposter syndrome happening to me. And also just that there are so many other people who are dealing with it too. It's really hard. Recognize that. You're not alone. And you are the thing you say you are. That's it. And once you start to talk about it more and more, that's something that's really helped me is to put it out there. Then you start to realize just how universal you are. I love that. Just like that phrase, how universal you are. That speaks to me. (laughs) And I feel like also speaks to this podcast, this project, right? It's like 
I feel like every time people would share stories and, and someone else in the room or someone else in the audience or whatever would be like, oh, yeah, I've had that feeling too. Or I've had that exact experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing when you start to realize that even with the internet, it's you still feel you can feel so alone, especially during a pandemic, you know, and you're going through. I know a lot of people are spending a lot more time with themselves. I have for sure, which is part of the reason why I've delved deeper into my gender this year more than any other year. Like when I was living in New York City and I was just going a million miles per hour, I was not taking time for myself at all and thinking about like who I am or what I really wanted. (laughs) And for me, moving out of the city has really given me the space to breathe and the space to be like, oh, let's stop and think for a second. (laughs) Totally. I've heard this is, you are not alone, (laughs) right? (laughs) That like a lot of people, I think a lot of women and femmes have been like exploring both gender and sexuality throughout the pandemic, right? Because they're no longer being perceived by men as much. It's fascinating. And I'm really interested and excited and hopeful for like what post-pandemic looks like in terms of gender and sexuality and gender expression. And I'm very interested to see kind of where we go from here. I am too. I'm really hopeful that the more people who are exploring their gender, the more the more it'll get into the public consciousness and just like thinking of my parents, right, who are like using the right words and things or using like this is this is another thing I was going to say was if you know people like your parents, it doesn't have to be your parents, but somebody who's like having trouble with different pronouns, use those pronouns as much as you can in front of them or like <laughs> give your dog different pronouns, you know, something like that. And like the more it's in their face and the more that like you use it, it'll be easier for for them as well and I think that like that's super important it's just getting a little bit easier and yeah I do have hope I mean I've been thinking a lot about um my partners from Puerto Rico and they just declared a state of emergency for violence against women and trans folks and I was I was just blown away by that right because I was like wow that would never happen in the states but maybe it will I didn't even know it was a thing that you could declare a state of emergency for violence against women and trans folk. And and it is, it is a thing. So you never know. I do think we are on an upward climb for all gender and sexuality. And someday there'll be no gender and everyone will be gay. I'm so excited. I'll see you there. <laughs> I do have a question for you. You're talking about pronouns and like practicing pronouns and stuff like that. And right, I think increasingly, like you said, we're seeing a lot of she they's in the world. And I think a lot of people see that combination and are confused. It's like, well, but do I, are you non-binary? Do I use they? Or are you femme? Do I use she, her? Like what, when do I only use she when we're like in public and they when we're in private? And I wonder if you have any thoughts about that. <laughs> oh, I have so many thoughts about this. Okay. So if you know someone and they said that their pronouns are she, they, for example, before you use their pronouns in a space where they have not announced it, check in with them to see how public that is because they might not be out or want, they might not want other people to know that they're trying out these pronouns. So safety first, like always check in with them. There is no harm in asking, even though asking can be really scary. Please do. The second thing is gender is personal. So it could be different for others. But for me, she, they, I like it being used interchangeably in all sorts of ways. There is no order. There is no, I see some people now putting they before she just because people won't use they if they know she is an option. So if you know someone who goes by different pronouns, make sure to change it up. That is super important for them and feels so validating 
I can speak my personal experience. I always light up when somebody uses they. Nobody's used dyke to my face yet, though, and I cannot wait till it happens. And it's going to be an excellent moment. Did that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. I think this has been a really exciting conversation. Evie, is there anything that you're like, oh, I really wanted to talk about XYZ and I haven't brought it up yet? I did want to make sure I'd got my shout outs just because they're super important people that I've gotten a lot of information from. So other people who are questioning their gender might also want to check these people out. So there's like my pal River on Instagram. They are at country queer and there's a period after C period and then untry queer. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's incredible. I, my friend Erica does this amazing show also on Instagram called Afternoon Tea and it's at the letter T the numbers four, two, and then time. Really check that out. They have lots of really amazing discussions on gender. Matisse Dupont, I mentioned earlier, also on Instagram. They're so knowledgeable. They have like a diploma in gender studies, I guess. Yeah, incredible, incredible stuff. Basit at Basitcom is on Instagram. They're amazing. And Alok at Alok B-M-E-N-O-N is also an incredible resource. Those are my shout outs. That's awesome. Colleen, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground already. Do you think it's time for us to share some voices that inspired us? Yeah. All right. So at the end of every episode, we ask ourselves and our guests to tell our listeners about a woman or femme's voice that they uh, appreciated or that spoke to them for this past week. So Evie, would you like to offer a voice? Yes, I'm going to cheat a little bit uh, because one of them is a book I'm currently reading and one of them is a book I just read. The book I'm currently reading is White Tears, Brown Scars by Ruby Hammond. It's just an incredible book for anyone who is white and a feminist and probably just for anyone who's white in general. The other book I also want to recommend and just like highlight this voice is my farming mentors growing up just wrote a book called Making Love While Farming. It's amazing. It has farming tips and tricks throughout the book, but also tells about their lives and their stories. They have an organization called Seeds of Solidarity, which I was lucky enough to do as I was a teenager in like a working class town with no connections. And I went there and I learned how to farm and learned about like GMOs and like all all of this incredible information that they hand down to people. So definitely go to the book. Deb and Ricky are the authors. Deb Habib is still someone I'm in contact with and she's just like an incredible voice so look it up fantastic I love that Emily Rose who would you like to share with our listeners so my initial choice has nothing to do with what we're talking about which could be totally fine but since we mentioned Eddie Izzard I'm going to change mine (laughs) to be Eddie Izzard and that is because basically as of Christmas of Last year of 2020, Eddie Izzard updated her pronouns to be she, her. Izzard is pretty well known for this skit about being an executive transvestite, and those are her words. That is how she identified. Obviously, we use different language now. We say transgender, but Izzard has at various points identified as a lesbian in a man's body, has identified as someone who is gender fluid and has both girl mode and boy mode but lately has talked a lot more about kind of when she knew she was trans and, like I said, this past Christmas essentially shared publicly that she would be using she, her pronouns going forward instead of sort of using both and being like, well, you know, I have two modes. When I'm in this mode, I use these pronouns. When I'm in this mode, I use these pronouns. Now she's just like, I am she, her. So shout out to Eddie Izzard. 
gender aside, Eddie Izzard is a phenomenal comic. Her work is smart, hysterically funny. It is about what's going on in the world. So highly recommend. It can be heartwarming. It can be educational. Um, Go watch Eddie Izzard. Amazing. Mine is, so I only just learned about this person like today because as of uh, recording, the state of Georgia is attempting to or slash has passed a ton of new laws to make voting even harder. It was not particularly easy to vote there, but um, as of today, the governor passed a crap ton of laws to make it even more difficult. And there was a uh, Georgia lawmaker. She's part of the Georgia House of Representatives. Her, her name is Park Cannon. And if anybody has been watching the news today or just you know reading coverage of it, she's the woman who was arrested outside of the governor's office because he signed all of these laws into effect basically in the dark of night behind closed doors. And she was like, this is unacceptable. You need to do this in front of people. Like We, we have to talk about it and how we're going to pass this legislation and how it's going to affect people's lives and was banging on his door and asking to speak with the governor, which is her right, both as like just a normal Georgian, but also most definitely as an actual elected official who works with this person. And yeah, she is a a badass and I don't live in Georgia, so I've never heard of this person, but she is clearly working very hard to let people vote. And if anybody hasn't read or seen the footage of her getting dragged from the governor's office, you should definitely Google it and also do some research on the terrible, terrible voter laws that are getting passed in Georgia right now. Well, that was a fun, that was a good note to end on. Was it? Was it? That's my, if you couldn't tell, that was my sarcastic voice. I mean, Park Cannon is a hero, is an American hero. Yes. So that's a good note to end on. Everyone should be able to vote. It should be easier to vote, not harder. And everyone be more like Park Cannon. Boom. (laughs) Evie, I want to say thank you so, so much for joining us. I've had a lot of fun. Colleen, how about you? I know you had the time of your life. I did. This was great. I like truly thank you, Evie. This was so fun. This week has been incredibly just rough. And to be honest with you, I was a little nervous about recording tonight because I was so tired, but this was a blast. Thank you so much. And I miss you a lot. Uh, I miss you too. I miss your faces. And this is, yes, my turn. Thank you both so much, seriously. Because I, as I was, I was like, oh no, like I'm going on this podcast to talk about my gender. Like, I don't even know what my gender is. <laughs> like, oh, this is not good. And I like, and then I was, as I was writing it down, I was like, oh, okay, all right, this is, is it, it helped me figure out questions, you know, about myself that I was like, this is really helpful to write stuff down and talk about your gender on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everybody should have the opportunity. Um, so we have rounded the corner towards the end of our uh, recording. Awesome. So a big thank you to everyone who is listening. Our co-hosts are me, Colleen Hughes, and me, Emily Rose Pratz. I also edit our audio, and our researcher is Rachel Levins. Our music is Nice Girl, written and recorded by Reverend Yolanda. Again, a huge, huge thank you to our guest, Evie. Uh, You can find out more about them on Instagram at at Dumont Evie, that's D-U-M-O-N-T-E-V-I-E, or on their website at EvelynDumont.com, that's E-V-E-L-Y-N. D-U-M-O-N-T. You can find You Sound Like a Girl at yousoundlikeagirl.com. You can email us 
at yousoundlikeagirl at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram at yousoundlikeagirl. Catch you next time. Bye.